Good morning. How are you, Kobe? Good. Have you ever read this before? All right. Good. Good morning, Isaac. Good morning. Hello, Pure Joy. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I brought a storybook with me this morning. <clears throat> Have you ever read this book before? This is The King's Tea. I think I might have read it once before a long time ago. Um, this is one of those books that was one of my favorite books when I was a little kid. I used to, I think my dad used to read it over and over because I would say, read it again, read it again. Now, this isn't the actual book, but I remembered it and I found an old copy of it somewhere. But the reason I brought it this morning is I was thinking about the fact that this was Memorial Day Sunday. And I was thinking about all the people whose names I don't even know. So many names that have come before, that have helped make the place I live the place it is, for which I give thanks, for which I have so many freedoms, and um, also about which we tend to complain every once in a while. So you put those things together, and I thought of this. Now, since this isn't a story from the Bible, this isn't a story that Jesus told, before I read it, I'm going to ask you to think about when you're reading this, where you might see God in this story. Can you be thinking about that? And we'll visit about that just a little bit afterwards, about where you might see God in this story. So this is the story of The King's Tea by Trinka Hakes Noble. The King's Tea had to be perfect, but sometimes things weren't just right. So each morning the tea steward held his breath as the king took his first sip, blah, shouted the king, this tea's not perfect. The milk is sour. Now my day is ruined, and it's all your fault. With that, the king slammed on his cup and stomped out for a morning walk. The tea steward picked up the pitcher of milk and hurried off to see the cook. Cook, I told you to get me sweet milk, scolded the steward. Now the king's tea is ruined, and it's all your fault. The cook turned in a huff and shook a wooden spoon at the kitchen girl. Girl, I've told you again and again to bring me sweet milk. Now the king's tea is ruined. It's all your fault. The poor girl quickly slipped out the door into the yard. There she met the farmer who delivered the milk to the castle each day. Farmer, you have delivered sour milk and ruined the king's tea. Now the cook is angry with me. It's all your fault. When the farmer got home, he went to the creamery to see his wife. Wife, he said crossly, you gave me sour milk this morning, and I delivered it to the castle. Now the king's tea is ruined, and it's all your fault. The farmer's wife turned to the boy and seized him by the ear. Boy, listen to me well, she said. You brought me sour milk, which I gave to my husband, who took it to the castle. Now the king's tea is ruined. And it's all your fault. The boy ran to the meadow to see the cow. You nasty old cow, shouted the boy. You gave me sour milk this morning, which I gave to the farmer's wife, who gave it to her husband, who took it to the castle. Now the king's tea is ruined, and you are to blame. Don't blame me, mooed the cow. Blame the yellow buttercups. They are not very sweet this spring, so it's all their fault. 
The king had also gone to the meadow that morning, and he overheard everything the boy said to the cow. The king's tea? Sour milk? Oh my, said the king. So when the boy and the cow went to see the buttercups, the king decided to follow. Buttercups, bellowed the cow. My milk is sour, and it's all your fault. The buttercups looked shriveled and dry. It's not their fault, said the boy. They need the gentle spring rain to make them sweet. A dark cloud in the sky overheard the boy. Everyone is always blaming the weather, rumbled the cloud. If rain is what they want, then rain they shall have. The dark cloud moved over to the buttercups, and soft raindrops fell. The buttercups soaked up the sweet rain, and the cow began to eat. It's not always the weather's fault, thundered the cloud, as it rolled on over the meadow. The cow ate and ate until she had eaten her way across the meadow to the spot where the king was picking buttercups. She was still hungry. I hope you don't mind if I eat that bouquet of buttercups you're holding, said the cow, who had never before seen the king. If I don't eat enough buttercups, my milk will not be sweet, and that would ruin the king's afternoon tea. Did you say afternoon tea? What a pleasant thought, said the king. Of course you may eat my bouquet. The king's tea must be perfect. So he let his cow he let the cow eat his bouquet and strolled off toward his castle. <clears throat> Later that day, the boy milked the cow, carried the milk to the creamery. There the farmer's wife strained the milk and gave it to her husband, who delivered it to the castle. The kitchen girl carried the milk to the cook, who poured it into a pitcher and gave it to the tea steward who hurried off to set it on the table just in time for the king's afternoon tea. But the king didn't take his first sip right away. Instead, he invited the tea steward to tea. The tea steward invited the cook, who invited the girl, who invited the farmer, who invited his wife, who invited the boy, who ran to the meadow and invited the cow. Who brought buttercups for everyone. And as they took their first sip, they agreed that the king's tea was delicious. No, no, not delicious, said the king, laughing. It's perfect. So many people. So many people whose names we don't even know. The farmer, the boy. The girl, the cow. I'm going to ask you again. Did you get a glimpse of God anywhere in that story? The afternoon tea. The afternoon tea. Tell us about the afternoon tea. Well, it was perfect, and God is perfect. God is perfect. God is perfect. Just like the tea. I'll remind you to the story of Jesus. Turn the water into wine. It was a gift. It was a miracle. Mm-hmm. Good connection. Yeah. Pastor Valerie's going to have a word for us in just a little bit. And part of it, I hope you will see God in there 
maybe it'll remind you some more of this story as well. Can we give thanks this morning? <clears throat> as we pray, dear God, we give you thanks for your presence, for your word, for your miracles. Thank you, Lord, for calling us together to this place. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I am glad you're here in worship today. in Eastertide. Uh, Perhaps you noticed that we've been using the same call to worship and wondered, did somebody forget to change it? Um, Eastertide is 50 days, and this is the last Sunday. And on this Sunday, um, we hear and tell the story of Jesus' ascension. And so we are going to hear how that is told in the first chapter of Acts beginning at verse 6. Listen for the word of God. So when the disciples had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while Jesus was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Anybody here remember the days of dial-up? Anybody still have dial-up? Is there anybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about? Dial-up? You remember how long you had to wait? You'd hear the 
you'd hear the phone dialing, you know, and then static, and hopefully there'd be a connection, and hopefully the connection would stay connected. Sometimes it would drop. The waiting that went into waiting for a connection. But then, do you remember the days we didn't have dial-up? Huh? Yeah. When we all had landlines, some of us still have our landlines, some of us don't. Um, I would guess that those who still have landlines, there's an answering machine or voicemail attached to screen all the robocalls, right? You remember the days when we didn't have robocalls? The pace of our lives, it, it seems to me that things just get more and more rapid because we don't have to wait. Think about a particular piece of information we might need. All you got to do is Google it on your phone, right? Gone are the days when we had to wait for a day that we could get to the library to look up something. I don't know about you. I'm not a very patient person. I don't like waiting. Um, And so when I'm in a situation where I have to wait, I do what a lot of people do, and I pull out my phone to amuse myself, catch up on email or check on the day's headlines or take a look at the weather or whatever, um, to while away the time while I'm waiting for whatever. And it's interesting to think about this particular Sunday of Ascension Sunday, which is at the end of Eastertide, right before the festival of Pentecost. And I think sometimes we kind of forget about Ascension Sunday. Because it seems somehow anticlimactic. We've had the festival of Easter, and last Sunday was confirmation. I was in Boston watching my baby girl graduate from seminary. Um, it's been a spring of celebrations, as it often is for so many of us. And we come up on Ascension Sunday. And it's interesting, this kind of cycle of waiting and expectation is wrapped up in this story as well. Jesus has been with the disciples. And when I say the disciples, it's not just those who were named but also the women, Jesus' mother, his siblings, and they are gathered in this place, and Jesus has been with them for 40 days. Perhaps they were in that same upper room where they had the Last Supper. They've been with him for 40 days, and he's been giving them instruction about what might come next. And then they go up on the Mount of Olives, And they're still kind of stuck in their old expectation of the kingdom of Israel being restored as it was under the monarchy of David and of Solomon. And the expectation that the Romans will be booted out. 
And so they asked Jesus, so, so is it now? Is it now? Can we quit waiting? And Jesus says, you know what? It's not for you to know. <laughs> and then he ascends into heaven, and they're standing there like, And then two messengers come and say, why are you gazing at heaven? Jesus has told you what work you need to be doing. And it is the work that you need to be doing in the meantime. Because the Spirit is going to be given to you to empower your work. But in the meantime, while you wait, you have work to do. Work that is meaningful. Don't just pull out your cell phone, in other words, and while away the time just because you don't like waiting. There's work to do. And so they go back. They go back to this upper room and they wait. But it's interesting because the text tells us that what they do is they devote themselves to prayer and they stay together. That is their work. And I would posit that that is our work now. Think about the time we are in. Forgive me, Pastor Clay. He said this morning that it was like being in a house and being the one who was terminally ill and everybody's tiptoeing around going, You're not terminally ill, though, my friend. Clay's retiring. We're in a waiting time. Looking toward that last Sunday, that Clay will be with us. But then also wondering, okay, what next? We are in a waiting time as a denomination. We have a special commission that has been put together by the bishops to deal with the issue of inclusivity in the church. And a special general conference has been called for 2019. But in the meantime, we wait. As a nation, a deeply polarized and divided nation, and we wonder what is going to come next. And so we wait. Pull out the phone, check the headlines. But just as the disciples had work at hand in that waiting time, we do as well. And that work is the work of prayer and of staying together. The work of prayer and staying together. Now, there's something about prayer itself that I think can make a lot of people break out into hives. I have saints of the church who will come to me and ask me if they're praying right. 
I have the same concern about my own self. Am I praying right? But my friends, as far as personal prayer goes, there's a huge part of it that feels actually quite unproductive to us. And that is the huge part of prayer that is waiting and listening. Waiting and listening. How else can we become aware of God's presence and aware of what God wants us to do next if we don't listen? And that takes time. It takes quiet space. It requires waiting. And for impatient types like me, that can be excruciating. It's also very difficult to stay together in a time of stress and anxiety and polarization. But the disciples in that upper room modeled that for us. We stay together in spite of our differences, in spite of our disagreements. We stay together and we pray and we listen and we wait. And in that time of waiting and listening and praying and staying together, what we can be confident of is that God will show up and God will bless us. My friends, that is the work at hand now. Amen.